Bearcat Bounce Podcast and Aaron Smith, we are back at it again. How are we? Doing all right, my friend. All considered, it was an interesting weekend. Some takeaways that were good and another missed opportunity. You know, this is the, the, the point of the pod where we would throw in a little boys to men. Uh, the end of the road. Please don't sing. Because we have currently come to it. And although we go to the end of the road, I'll just read it out loud. You know, uh, it's kind of gotten to the point where you've got to take a step back and kind of ignore the final game. The yet again, 37 point loss to Houston is the final game of the season. Shouldn't have been that high. There were there I mean, some. There was some poor officiating there at the end as far as a shot clock violation that wasn't called. and You can't ignore it, though. It happened. No, I'm, it I happened, agree. Yes. But if I'm you're, saying. I mean, if, if, the, if it was closer and you were a better and you had money on the game and it was the difference between hitting the spread and not hitting the spread, ooh-wee. That 13 and a half was yeah, 13 uh, and a half. stealing. It was stealing if, if you were a gambling type. I had Skinny asked me last night, did you expect anything different? I was like, did you watch the first game? Like <laughs> what happened the first that that that's the that's the reality. But those two games look very similar. You know what that means? Wasn't a fluke. Like they're, they're head and you know, shoulders better than good. Yeah, they're they're head and shoulders better than us in every aspect of the game. I was drinking the Kool-Aid though. Of course you were. Kool-Aid was considerably drank by me uh and, and chad's frozen i i don't know if that affects the recording as well but i have no idea he's he's highly getting ready to, to, to thrust a hot take at us and i cannot wait to hear it i don't but, love that verb but what i was trying to say was yes it happened you have to you have to recognize that it happened but you also can't discount what happened the two games prior yeah but what you said was ignore okay Let's go yeah, ahead ignore and it. ignore it as the end-all, be-all of the end of the season and instead look at the bigger picture of the entire AAC tournament. There we go. Kind of just a three-and-one ending to the season, if you will. <laughs> because I, because Houston, as John said, is a buzzsaw. They ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into a team that, you, you know, you talk about it, they can sleepwalk against certain teams. Like at ECU, at Tulsa, you can come into those games sleepwalking a little bit, find yourself in a battle, and then before you know it, you're starting to miss some shots, and and, and things are getting a little tight. But when you're playing Cincinnati, especially the they've been coming Cincinnati for that ass all year. Them, yeah, they've been yeah. coming for that ass all year. Right, especially the way Cincinnati's played them in recent seasons, beat them back to back AAC tournament championship games, one in thrilling fashion, the other one in. Hello, I'm Jaron Cumberland, and I'm going to own you fashion. So that team obviously had a little bit to do with, with, with wanting to get that taste out of their mouth, especially because players like Jarreau, you know, players like Baby and White, you know, those players are familiar with Cincinnati. And, of course, Calvin Sampson is as well. So, yes, that was a well, buzzsaw, and they hit shots as well, which is a, a terrible combination. The taste Jarreau has in his mouth could still be Mamadou. I'm not really <laughs> sure. However – I think it cannot be argued that uh, Kelvin Sampson hates Cincinnati. Like, without a doubt at this point, I think we all know Kelvin has it out for Cincinnati. He was not going to let his foot off the gas, and he didn't. Um, 
it was again they 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 couldn't miss it didn't matter what i know chad's pointed out on on twitter it didn't matter what defense we were running we couldn't stop them we weren't making shots especially when they're running graphics on on the game where you have two players and i think it was uh was it jero and was it sasser or was it uh grimes at that point where they basically had the entire Cincinnati team beat between just the two of them. Well, first half it would be Jerome and Sasser, but and and probably Justin Gorham too. I, it, what Houston did in that game was they hit hard shots, and then they also hit the wide open shots, which they got plenty of them. Which is a combination that is going to be any team in the country, really, it, unless your name Gonzaga. They did it back or Illinois. What? They did it backwards. Usually you hit the easy shots right. to get in a rhythm to start hitting the harder shots. Yep. They hit impossible shots the first five, six minutes. They just hit everything. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, we got it like that. And then they're throwing stuff off the top corner of the backboard. <laughs> uh, Grimes is shooting threes and bounce pogo sticking off one leg while the ball, ball's in the air. Like, Grisham, Bryson Grisham hit a 17-footer. Yeah, that, that you know, sometimes there's nothing you can do. And you needed Houston to be on, like, their C game, and they were on their A-plus game. Yes. And that is twice this year Cincinnati has experienced the hardest punch Houston could throw, and they got knocked the F out both times. That's that's what it is. Like, you get, there's no other way to, to address that. And then on top of it, when Cincinnati's not making shots in response either, you start to build a hole, and then you feel like that hole is too much to come out of. They're doing uncharacteristic things. They're not turning the ball over on offense, and all of a sudden, before you know it, they have no flow at all. The flow Houston's defense is pretty good, too. Oh, extremely good. Yes, yes. But we've seen flow against against SMU. Saw some flow against Wichita State as well, some individual performances. Houston is just a different story, and that's why they're on the two-seed line. That's why they're going to be a team that a lot of people have going a long ways. I see a lot of people actually picking West Virginia and Bobby Huggins to take them down in the Sweet 16, but either way. I think we should be, Yeah, I think we should all be rooting for Houston to go deep. The deeper they go, the higher the draft stock goes for Grimes and Sasser, and get them out of here. I want no part of either of those dudes ever again. Get them out of here. Sasser will be back, I believe. Grimes, I think, is gone. Yeah. See ya. Six a six five wing that can shoot like that. Like there's a spot in the NBA for him. How about Dockish just just hammering home the Clay Thompson comparison? <laughs> Trying how his about, hardest to make that a thing. I, how about Dockett's bringing up that Houston is the most nationally recognized program in all of the AAC? I believe I mean, right now he's not wrong. They're number eight in the country or whatever. Maybe if you're talking about basketball, but he was just talking about the college in general. Yeah. I don't really listen to the announcers when the game's happening. I'm watching the game. Doc yeah. Itch. yeah. But in the end, it was a loss. Uh, no one really played extremely well or, or remotely well for the Bearcats. Maybe Mamadou Diara would be a player that you could highlight and say, Kind of had a, a good close to his career, if uh, he does call it quits, because um, he walked during senior day, the only reason why I say that. So, you know, not much to really harp on in that game. Kind of, kind of yes, it happened. Ouch, it did. 
but we've got to talk about the two other games that happened earlier in the week. Those yeah. are two teams in SMU and Wichita State that are right there trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Yes, SMU was coming off that long, long layoff. Yes, they had turmoil, but they were still a team that win a couple games and you're right there on the line to get into the tournament or not. And the same with Wichita State. We saw they were a Final Four team into the field. So that means that was a monster game for them as well. Cincinnati did what they could in both games. And and really, I, those should be what you look at and see, okay, the promise for this program rests inside of those two games. Aaron, do you agree with that sentiment? I know you are the eternal optimist, but I think there was definitely some things that could be taken away from those games. I mean, we got to see the freshmen. I mean, first off, let's talk about, you know, if, we, if we're going – in order, you know, SMU, yeah. I feel like everybody kind of, it, it just looked like things were clicking finally. Yes. Like you got to see, and we've, we've seen over the course of the last couple games of this, the regular season. And then also into this tournament, you know, we got to see what this rotation looked like uh, without all the opt-outs. We ended up with DeJulius coming in off the bench as he did opt back in. Um, so he was in a completely different role. And honestly, the offense and defense were both flowing really, really well. Um, I don't think they necessarily missed him at the starting position um, the way right. that I was kind of curious how it would look uh, with him coming off the bench. Um, but I think he added what looked to be some much needed minutes for some of these guys, especially guys who have been playing a ton of minutes like Micah, like Mikey. Uh, you know, we, we got to see a little bit more of uh, Atari as he stayed out of a lot of foul trouble against SMU. Right. Right. Um, and that was that was key. Uh, even vote was playing well. We got to see some really good minutes out of vote. So it was just, you know, we got to see these guys, the the small core that's left at this point, uh, just really gelling well together and beating an SMU team that was also fighting for their life. You know, the, and who knows what's going down in SMU because a lot of crazy things apparently happening down there. But, uh, you know, it was it was good to see them clicking, gelling against SMU and, and walking away with a win. Yeah. I, I mean, you saw career high in three-pointers made by Jeremiah Davenport, 5-7 on the game. And after that game, heading into the Wichita State game, Jeremiah hit 20 of his previous 43-point shots. That is an extremely good percentage with a high volume as well. So uh, you see that blossoming part of his game that he's had throughout the entire season. Uh, you know, Mikey Saunders, I think, showed his second game behind Memphis – that just proves to you he's got a really good chance to be a good, great lead guard for the Bearcats for years to come. Uh, you know, Micah, just a steady, steady force. You've already touched on Tari and Chris Boat. But still, Keith Williams as well, just kind of being that senior in that game, making sure that he did anything possible to, to move on to the next round. But still, they let SMU back into the game late. It was uh, scary at times. I, I didn't let myself go fully overboard with the uh, comeback by SMU, but I mean, 35 points for Kendrick Davis. That guy is the real deal. Um, so uh, at the end, Bearcats held on, pulled out a victory over under was hit with the over with that last second tip in. So I feel bad for you gamblers out there that, that bet the under on that one. So oh. that's about it for that. Then came Wichita state. That's, that's about as brutal of a beat as there is. Yes, there is. Oh, it's it's horrible. Uh, what was thirty-four points in the final segment or something like that? Yes, the, the I mean final... that was that was as lock of an under as you could possibly get going into the final media timeout. Exactly, thirty-four push... points away. There's it's... nineteen points in the final minute or some shit. 
It was horrible. It was. Did it, you have it? I, I'm pulling it up right now. It was. <laughs> all right. The. Okay. There was a frustrating fans for the under 44. Uh, the final buzzer hit the. Ah. It, it was a crazy amount of points. 35 points. 30, yeah. Mike Hendrick. It, it, it's somewhere right there. It was. It was. It scored 18 points in the final two minutes for SMU, which is. Unreal. I mean, that's insane. It's, it really is insane. But, you know, it's it's a game where they kind of had it in hand. I mean, up 20, up 13 with, with four minutes left. You allow that crazy comeback. But still, it was never one that kind of had me feeling like it was going to slip out of their hands until the very, very end. But just a note, just a note for future reference. If you're up by 20, don't foul anybody shooting the basketball. <laughs> Especially three. How many? How many and ones were, were there? Four or five and ones in the final segment? And a and a three point shot foul. Yeah. Twice. Stop! Don't do that. It was horrible. <laughs> they I mean, can't catch you score by two points at a time. Yeah. It by three me of another... and four points at a time, they can catch you. Yeah. Exactly. And I. Certain games like that, if you just take a shot clock violation in every possession and allow a two-pointer on the other end, you're going to win the basketball game with the amount of time left and whatnot. But so, SMU, pull out the victory, gutty performance. Now, Wichita State is next, the number one seed, had a battle, a grinder against South Florida, uh, one where they were kind of – South Florida had that drive at the end of the game – I believe it was David Collins who drove and, and Morris Udesi drew the charge. David Collins in the transfer portal, by the way. Cincinnati has reached out to him, according to sources. So uh, keep an eye out on that one, if you will. But Aaron, heading into that Wichita State game on Saturday, what? where was your level of confidence? I told you when we recorded last week, I didn't expect him to win a second game. Right. So, you know, I, there was it was it was just show me what you got. I mean. You, we were talking all season about a measuring stick game, and I think we finally got to see what this team is capable of against a really good school. And I think Wichita State can be called, as a team who made the tournament, a really good school. So, yeah. you know, I mean, am I jealous of a guy like Udesi? Absolutely. An athletic big like that? My goodness, that dude is good. Um, yes. You know, Etienne, you know, I'm watching, even watching Etienne, like I'm thinking this is what Keith should have been or could have been if like he had stepped into more of that leader role. Um, Unfortunately, just that's not the player he wanted to be. That's not the player he he chose to be. That's not the player he he is. So it was just, uh, you know, there there were some things that I saw on that team like, man, I want that. put it on my wish list. I want that. But uh no, it was it was even more so, you know, when we get the, when we do pull out a gritty finish against this team as, you know, even when the last shot goes up, part of me is like this is going in. This is how we this is how we lose. I mean, it's March. This is how we lose. And uh you know, we we pull it out and the kids the kids get one. And it was it was much needed for this team to to build some confidence uh Going into Houston, unfortunately, it was nowhere near enough. I, Etienne is a crazy situation. 157 attempts coming into that Cincinnati game from, from three. He connected on 40% of them. 
I, that is a, a shooter that is going to keep shooting. And when he gets hot, it's hard, hard, hard to stop. But you saw Cincinnati probably had their best defensive performance of the year. Can we, say that, can we say that Etienne looks like Mike Epps? I see it. A younger Mike Epps. I a like young that. Mike Epps. 100%. Yeah. He looks like young Mike Epps. If Mike Epps had hair like that. So Mike Epps coming back to Indianapolis for uh, for the NCAA tournament. Welcome back, Mike. You're on the uh, <laughs> Wichita State Shockers now. But yeah, I, I, but what Cincinnati was able to do was contain Etienne. I mean, the defense, on-ball defense by... You know, not only uh, Mike Adams Woods, but also David DeJulius off the bench played phenomenal defense on on Tyson Etienne. They were able to contain him, and you know, it kind of looked like Altree Gilbert was trying to be the guy to say, hey, "I know UConn is out of the AAC, but I'm the ghost of UConn's past, and I am here to end the Bearcats," as UConn has attempted to do numerous years and successfully have a couple times, but still. Al Tariq missed the shot at the end. A couple good drives by Tari Eason against Morshi Deze, as you mentioned, kind of shows the the n- numerous ways that Tari can get a bucket himself. Uh, you know, but the one thing you got to also remember about that, Aaron, was the Keith Williams injury. Out for the entire second half. Bearcats go down at one point in the second half. They had the resiliency to fight back and win. I, I mean, you can't fault them, the, the youth movement, the young players on this team, banding together and really trying to go out there and win one for Keith Williams. So he gets at least one more game. Well, and you look at the final numbers and, you know, you see that Cincinnati shot 40 from the field as did Wichita state. Actually, they both finished at 22 of 55, oddly enough, Uh, Wichita connecting at almost 41% of their threes, Cincinnati connecting on just shy of 30%. But the biggest difference was somehow, some way we out rebounded Wichita and that's largely due in part to Tari Eason, who finished the game with 11 rebounds. He out-rebounded Udezi. And if you go back and watch the game without looking at the stat lines, I don't even know that you even notice that Tari's out-rebounding Udezi because Udezi is so much more of a flashy player than Tari, who just right. quietly grinds, quietly hustles, and gets his numbers. Yeah, and, and what you saw as well with Tari was just that you know, he's not afraid to back down in that situation either. Uh, you know, Yadezi is a player who's been there for a while, player that's going to try and continue to go at you, like you mentioned, and, and Tari didn't back down, and, and that's why people have so much hope for the future. And, you know, you also look at it coming into that game, though, how recently star players for opposing teams have kind of gotten to the Bearcats. You know, you talk about – you know, all the way back to Jalen Forbes with, with Tulane dropping 37. You talk about Scotty Pippen Jr. dropping 35. You talk about, you know, Kendrick Davis dropping another 35 for SMU. But the way that they were able to defend and contain Tyson, Tyson Etienne is, is a storyline for this game. The co-AAC player of the year shut him down, rebounded very well on the defensive end. And, and you come away with, with some sort of a miracle win. You know, I, I thought that shot was going in. Yeah. Gilbert shot at the end. It was just, Agreed. it was just, wow, here we go. Here we go. But it clanked out. And before you know it, Mason Madsen got to mention him as well. Just a, a smooth, smooth stroke, Aaron. Just one of those where you, I, I believe it was Ricky Council that was hitting some shots and some very tough shots if you as well. One with, with, my, with uh, Mason right into his body. 
and Council lifted up and just drilled a, a mid-range jumper on him. But still, he came back, knocked down numerous shots. It's, it's, a, it's a sight to see whenever Mason has some space and is able to get a shot off. He's, I know that Berg likes to go on and on about DeJulius being the smoothest shooter on this team. And while he does have that nice little step back jumper, right. I think Mason Madsen is probably the purest shooter on this team. And that's not to discredit anything from Jeremiah Davenport, who I think is the best catch and shoot player on this team. Right. You know, there, there's just different things that different guys bring to the table, but Mason Madsen has certainly made himself a respected shooter, if nothing else, as Dockage was real quick to point out numerous times on the broadcast that the uh, uh, Houston was letting Mace or uh, Mikey take whatever shots he wanted from beyond the arc. But anytime Mason Madsen had the ball in his hands, there was certainly a, a, a hand in his face. So I, 60 to 59, the second time this year that Wichita State was held under 60 points. The other one was a 20-point loss at Memphis where they scored 52. You know, so you've got to look at this and just say, wow, a, a great, great job defensively. You, you pull out a gutty win, and you get one more chance to try and win and go into the NCAA tournament. We've already touched on the Houston game. Enough. Yeah. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid didn't taste good about 10 minutes into the game. but It's because it was spiked with vodka. <laughs> To try and get you through that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a few too many cuffs at about halftime. Let's put it that way. But that was that. You know, now the the talk at the end is so you you play these games, you beat these certain teams, you know, the two lanes, the temples, the ECUs of the world, but you get Molly whopped by Houston two times. Twice. So which, where would you say right now the program currently sits in? Obviously, it's rebuilding, and I don't think that's a secret to anybody who's watching. You know, you got, you're comprised largely of, you know, the two seniors that are maybe three that are, are leaving. So that takes up three of your remaining, what, eight scholarship players. So that leaves you with five if they all decide to walk between Keith, Vote, and Mamadou as they all were honored uh, on, on senior day. So clearly you're rebuilding. You got, you got roughly five scholarship players going into next season. Six, Victor. Sorry, I forgot about Victor Lakin, who is uh, locking. 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 Um, who's been injured all year. So, and we don't even know who, who he is at this point on the, on the court with these guys. So, it, you know, it's certainly a rebuild. Um and it'll be interesting to see. We, we got to see lots of time with these kids. And I think there's been plenty to hang your hat on with what they've shown you. But it's uh, going to be interesting to see the pieces that Brandon's able to bring in and put around these guys, uh, whether they're JUCO players, whether they're uh, guys from the transfer portal that are upperclassmen, underclassmen, who knows? Uh, I think there's plenty of question marks. But it's really hard to say what's going to happen with this program next year until you start seeing some of these pieces put together. Yeah, I you know, going back to our preview podcast, I was confident. Let's just say I was confident. Overly. Some things happened throughout the year that kind of took away the confidence. Well, a lot of that was COVID. Yes. And a lot, you know, different opt-outs, different things that I couldn't have forecasted. You know, the fact that 
Rapples have now just didn't buy into playing the four at the I mean he the five at this level, of, pardon me. He left because of COVID. Yes. Uh, right. Yes. He didn't buy into playing the five at this level, which he could have probably developed into a, a pretty strong five as the season wore on, but that's a different story for a different time. My point of view is this. The way that they were playing towards the end of the year against the likes of Wichita State, against the likes of SMU, you see they they beat UCF, they beat Temple, they beat Tulane, they beat ECU. These aren't, you know, but Wichita State is in the tournament. What I'm trying to say is if you are able to beat every team in the conference outside of a potential Final Four contender, and then a Memphis team who I was hoping and praying that Memphis could have pulled off that, that win against Houston. So it was Memphis on Sunday instead of Houston. But, you know, you're looking at a team that won against every other team except for a Final Four contender in the AAC. I, you've got to look at that and say, okay, maybe we are a little bit ahead of schedule in some certain aspects. Maybe when all these different pieces – start to play together and blend into one, it's a pretty good product. And all those pieces, minus minus Keith and minus good Chris Vogt, and, and minus good Mamadou against Houston, they're all back next year. Give me two more scholarship players, and that Houston game is not a 37 – the second game is not a 37-point deficit. They were dog-tired. Yeah, I they couldn't make a shot and Houston hit everything. We already touched on that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a situation where they they aren't that far off. Okay. I mean, say Houston was a a good six seed that didn't have a dominant year this year. It didn't have some potential NBA players on their roster. You know, it it just it just seems like you can't put too much emphasis into the Houston game. You have to see that that's kind of the barometer to be the upper top echelon of college basketball. But still, you've got to also look at it. Cincinnati's right right there, just not there. And I guess what I'm trying to say is my, my optimism in the beginning of the season. Now we see was a little bit too much. I will premature. admit it. I'll be, the first, I'll be first to admit it. But in the end of the season against SMU and against Wichita State on a neutral court in games that they had to win, that both teams had to win, Cincinnati was right there. They pulled out victories in both. So I'm kind of on the side of they're closer than far away than, than they are far away from being close, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Here. Well, and as you talk about that, I feel like it's time to seamlessly transition into our awards wow. for this season. Aaron, you're you're picking up on the segues. You 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 like that? That's so, fabulous. So as you go into that, um, you know, I, I want to kind of go through this as it was a little bit my idea. I don't know if you had this planned, but I know I, I was the one who brought it up. So right. Uh, that all said, who you got this year for your Cincinnati Bearcats MVP? Most valuable player. You could take it one of two ways, Aaron. You could say the the best player on the team. Okay. Or you could say the player when he is not on the team. It's you know what I'm saying? The whole I think we're I think 
I think we have the same exact points. I'm very curious to see where you go with this. Go on. Okay. I want to say Keith Williams. Okay. What, what are we talking about? MVP of the year. Uh, some breaking news, by the way. Breaking news. Gabe Madsen is in the portal, and I have to take the phone call. There you have it, Gabe Madsen in the portal. Okay, uh, so Gabe was my pick for MVP. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, you know, and, and hey, in, in this situation, you got to hope the best for Gabe. And he, as as we saw, Mason and Gabe kind of, you know, Gabe was the one that kind of had the the light, the the spotlight all throughout high school. Mason kind of was able to come in and you know, perform at a high, high level with, without Gabe. And, you know, so you've got to give all love to Gabe and, and hope for the best for him. Hope he lands at a spot that, that is the best for him and, and his health and everything. I hope Mason gets a very large 451 tattoo on his arm. <laughs> I would enjoy that as well. And then just flexes and, and makes his, uh, his little, his, his smirk every time that he hits something. Gosh. Wow, uh, breaking news! I was hoping it would be good news. I did too. It ain't but, bad. Uh, yeah, Gabe was, from what I was able to see at at the game, the uh, Memphis game. Uh, he was there post game, but you know, just like we said, once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. Hopefully, he is able to find somewhere that that is good for his health and everything of that sort. Always more worried about the well being of of you know the student athletes more than more than anything else. So. Great. Good luck, Gabe, wherever you had. But uh, back to MVP talk, Aaron. Um, I mean, it's got to be. <laughs> I don't know. I want to say Keith because I feel so bad for Keith. I think that Keith Williams is someone that is going to have a career that that will be looked at, and and you kind of see that senior year. You know what? You know, I'm going to say most valuable player. Give me Keith Williams. Okay. I'll go with Keith. I'll go with Keith because I think I know who yours is. So I pulled an AAC. Okay. And I went with co-MVPs of the year. Because okay, I, I like that. Because I, I couldn't decide either because for different reasons, you got different guys. Because we saw what this team looks like without a fully healthy Keith Williams, especially against that second go-round against Houston. Like right. I said, I think they were all dog-tired. Keith couldn't hit anything. You can't tell me that he wasn't feeling lingering effects of what ed- whatever injury it was that was bothering him. I'm not right. sure that that's been di- disclosed to this point. I'm not sure we'll ever know, to be completely honest, um, unless Coach John Brandon on the radio show tonight is giving any sort of indication as to what that injury was. That all said – I don't know that this team would have been anything without Keith. What did he average this year? Like 15-ish? It was 14.3 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, and 2.5 assists, which really he amped up quite a lot in the second half of the season. And you can't tell me there's anyone on this team that would have been able to do what he was doing without yeah. him playing. Not yeah. not at the consistent level that he was giving it. And you could argue that 14 isn't enough for a senior leader like that. That's fine. I know people look fondly back at Leonard Stokes and he averaged 15 his senior year. Okay. I mean, so, you know, I mean, it's, he just had a cast of characters around him a little bit better than unfortunately Keith had growing and developing freshmen and not a deep bench. 
you know, so it was just a, a different team. Uh, that said, you know, obviously I've been ride or dying with Jeremiah Davenport since the beginning yes, of the yeah. season. And he has been the heartbeat of this team. And without him, I think this team actually may have folded entirely. Um, and we may not have seen a, a complete season by the Cincinnati Bearcats. I swear. I feel that in the, to the depths of my soul, I think that to be true. Um, I, I think you would have seen a collapse unlike anything we've ever seen in, with the Cincinnati program had Jeremiah Davenport not been a part of this team. And I think that's all that needs to even be said about him. Okay. Yeah. And so I am going to completely go with Keith actually, now that I think about it, because you look at a team like this and you see jumps all around, but you need one steady force. And, and yes, Keith tried to do a little bit too much in the beginning of the season, but what he was able to show throughout the year is that he can take what is given to him and he can make the decisions in order to win games. You saw a couple of times, not only first was the game coming off of the COVID break against Temple, and he had that defensive stop at the end. Then he enters the 1,000-point club against Tulane the very next day. You look at it, it continues down the stretch, scoring 24 at Tulsa, in a game where he needed every single one of those points in order to pull out that big road win. And then I, I hate to say it, but against Wichita state in that first half, I kind of felt like he was starting to put together an, a, a, a special close to his senior year. I thought he was going to score 25 in that game. <laughs> I, he had nine points on three of six shooting one or two from long range, but he was attacking the rack on every play. He was getting fouled at, they weren't, I don't know. I, I mean, of course, you know, us watching our team specifically, you know, we, I saw plenty of times he went to the cup and wasn't getting called on stuff. It was yeah. disheartening at best. Right. Same with Houston too, but. Mm. I'm, I'm doing it. Yep. You have my vote, Keith Williams, MVP of the season, but still, I think uh, the other name you mentioned is going to get another mention by me here relatively quickly. What's the, what's the next category there, Aaron? So we move on to most improved. Who you got? So I know who yours is. So I'm going to go a different route because I could say Jeremiah Davenport because he is the most improved. When you make the leap that he made from freshman to sophomore season and with his points, with, with everything up, the most improved is Jeremiah Davenport. But I'm going to take a different spin on it. Go ahead. There's a player who throughout the first, what was it we played? Throughout the first games in this one, let's see here. We played 23 games. So in the first 15 games, this player was averaging. Um, let's see here, sorry. This player was averaging a very strong 1.3 points per game <laughs> and 0.8 rebounds through the first 15 games. That, now, the final eight games, down down through the rest of the season, this player was averaging 7.5 points per game, two assists, and he had 19 points against a very good team with very strong athletes, and then another 12-point game in his first ever AAC tournament appearance. He is lightning quick, and he is someone that, Turned a rough start to the season, made some small adjustments, and became a focal part of the team by the end of the year. 
high, high, high abilities on defense and offense. Mikey Saunders is oh, most improved over the season. Oh, for eight to start the season behind the arc. Right. Right. What, what do you finish? I'm sure you got the stats in front of you. Yeah. So he actually, he kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, he did. He did not really connect on much. He missed his final six shots from long range, starting with over one against Bandy, over two against Wichita, over three against Houston. But he was 21.7. But, it, you know, still. If you, uh, if you remember correctly, Jeremiah Davenport. I think finished with like 14 or 16% last right. year. So that can be improved drastically right. into year two. But what Mikey was able to show is that he can finish at the rim. His speed is legit and his defense is going to continue to get better each and every game that he's out there. And that hair is flowing spectacularly. Aaron, who was your most improved? I mean, I've already said enough about Jeremiah Davenport, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna gush on him again. But uh, right. he's right. he's my dude. I mean, he he made a huge leap, and again, heartbeat of this team. So yes. that brings us to the top freshman. If you're talking about Mikey, is it Mikey? Uh no, I'm I'm gonna give it to Tari. Tari Same. Eason will be my top freshman. Um, Mine as well. In in games that Tari Eason played 20 or more minutes. And there were 14 of these. He averaged 10.3 points per game, 7.4 rebounds. Now he played under 20 minutes, sometimes due to fouls, other times due to other situations, but still, that's pretty doggone good. He is one of the best. If you saw that stat, I, I retweeted a stat this earlier today about how good he was defensively. So he finished the year with a 7.5% block rate and a 3.6% steal rate. The only other high major freshman since 2008 with a 7% plus block rate and a 3% plus steal rate was Nerlens Noel from Kentucky. If you remember him, he was top five recruit in the country. He plays in the NBA right now for the New York Knicks. He's a player that was very highly regarded as a defensive animal. So, hey, that's, that, that is pretty high esteem to be on that ladder only with Tari Eason. Uh, only with learning once in a while. Sorry. So I know the NBA does like the uh, per thirty six minutes, uh, what your average would be. Right. Does uh, does college have that stat somewhere? Yeah, it's a per forty. I'll and and it's just these are always a little skewed. But Tarius and sure. per forty. I just wonder what he actually would have done if he had not had the turnover issues and right. well, I mean turnovers will be included in there. But he would, what what he would have done if he wouldn't have been in foul trouble all the time. 15 points, 12 rebounds, and per tw- and, and per 40 minutes. And that's with some real stinkers of games in there because of just how how he would get into trouble, yep. where he was getting those five, eight, ten-minute games because he was in either foul trouble or just couldn't get out of his own way turning the ball over with either an errant pass or a dribble off a foot or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so – that's my pick for, for freshman of the year. He's also my pick for defensive player of the year as well. Just his, the, those stats, but also Micah Adams woods would be a nod on the defensive player of the year for me as well. I told you long, long and, and, and can guard. There's one play. I believe he was, he was defending Kendrick Davis and, or maybe it was Tyson. Etienne. It was in one of the two games. It was just a one-on-one you know, he was guarding the man, a drive by that opposing player. 
Micah went up and, and rejected it out of bounds. He's he's going to be a really good on-ball defender for this final two seasons with the Bearcats. For maybe the third or fourth week, I'm going to say it again. That Wichita State game last time. I remembered the game this time. Oh, there you um, go. There you <laughs> the go. Wichita State game, though, <laughs> last time we played them. Uh, I think that's when the switch went off for Micah, yep. where he's just like, I can't let things like that happen again. And right. I think that's where he literally locked down. And I have not had a bad word to say about him defensively since. I think he's playing more minutes than maybe anybody at this point in time yep. uh, because, you know, foul trouble or whatever the case may be. He's become our best free throw shooter. He's a guy that you can, if he's got a wide open three, you're not afraid that he's taking it. He finishes at the cup. He's, he, it was hard for me not to give him at least a nod in an improved player look. Yeah. But uh, I'm with you as far as defensive player. Yeah. My, so Micah made 48 of 55 free throws. That's, that's 87.3%. By far the strongest on the team. He also, down the stretch, the final 10 games or so, averaged around 10 points per ball game. At one point, he was averaging around 13 per game. So a, a player that finished strong, a player that got a ton of minutes. By the end of the season, he had the most minutes played on the team, 684. That is for an average of, oh, there we go, Micah, an average of 29.7 minutes per game. And that's down the stretch. He had a couple of 40-minute games. So, I mean, man, he, he did his all for the Bearcats. I was a little low on him at certain times throughout the year, but he adjusted. He did what it takes to win. And he, he ended up having a great season, and, and I'm proud to see what can happen with Micah in the upcoming seasons. So biggest surprise? Mason Matson. I actually have Mason Matson down as well as biggest surprise. Because you're because 451, man. I coming in, you had questions about certain things with Mason Matson. They and, called him a throw-in. Right. With Gabe, yes. And you saw different aspects of his game. His IQ is is top notch. His mid-range pull-up is money. His three ball when set and even not when set is every time he lets go of it, you think it's going in. I Mason Matson is unlike some of the Bearcats have had in a while where he is shooting extremely well. His defense is not too bad. You saw some drives where he was able to drive into the lane and kick outside for an open shot. And he's going to only improve, I feel like, you know, he's, he's one of those players that wants to be the best player on the court, which is what you want, especially when you're trying to turn a program around or, or get a program back to the level that they were. I did have some honorable mentions as other surprises that caught Bearcat Nation completely off guard. Um, Opt-outs by... Yeah. I agree, Aaron. Opt-outs by those guys, that was... Crazy. Uh, and you know what? Chad is on the phone. Aaron is frozen. That means it is me, myself, and I. We will continue talking about the superlatives when Aaron comes back. But, you know, I, talking about just players that were able to somewhat be surprises, you know, I, it's hard not to just look at all the freshmen as a whole. And Aaron, you're back. I am. So I <laughs> – I said the uh, the opt outs and also the opt ins were uh, were were you know name whatever player you want but they were all pretty big surprises. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I believe we have one more to wrap up. I believe we do. Um, we actually have two. Uh, highest ceiling. Highest ceiling. 
still Tari Eason. Same. Um, and I think we, I don't even know that we have to go into it any further yeah, than that. And, and honestly, I'm going to throw David DeJulius in there as well. I think he deserves a mention. If he can put everything together and I'm going to ride the bird train here. And and if he can even out his three point shooting, he is not, he is not that bad of a shooter. I promise you guys, he's not. If, and I if had he to... can kind of get it all together, David DeJulius could have a fantastic senior season with the Bearcats. If I had to guess a second guy, it would have been Mikey. Right. Yep. I so, agree. Um, and then favorite moment this year for you. Um, obviously winning these two games in, in the AAC tournament and kind of, kind of putting, putting the movement together. But I also love Tulane. I love the Tulane game. Yes. I know it's Tulane. You guys want to talk about how it's, it's not a big win because it's Tulane. But you saw when when the Bear kids were on the court together, you kind of saw that that youth movement that was coming, and that was special. That was fun to watch. But also, my favorite moment, Aaron, was seeing Rob Banks, your boy Banksy, Banksy, giving Keith Williams a hug in the huddle as Keith Williams started to break down a little bit, coming back in that second half of the Wichita State game, and then the team rallying to win that game and have one more chance for their senior, Keith Williams, to play in another game. And, of course, that locker room celebration with a little Mo Bamba playing. You know, we saw the Mo Bamba after the AAC championship football game with Desmond Ritter. And you see the Mo Bamba being played in the locker room after the win against Wichita State. Correlation? Maybe. For me, it was also Wichita State. Um, you know, I, I think that one was a game that we weren't supposed to win. Uh, we we almost knocked Wichita out of the uh, the tournament with that win. Um, I, I they were definitely uh, I think they were an in in, and then they moved to the last four uh, yeah. with with that loss. Uh, so yeah. it was uh, it, it was certainly a it was a bubble buster win for somebody, uh, whoever that was. I, I think we we knocked somebody to be completely honest with you. Um, but it was it was just I don't know. You see the way that they had to come together with all the opt-outs and just all the turmoil this year that that they faced. And it was just really good to see everything kind of just culminate in that win. You saw it, especially, you know, a moment that's going to live with me. You, you talk about the Des Ritter, Mo Bamba thing. I just look at that Tari Eason, Mike Saunders hug. um, And then I have, you know, uh, this picture of Davenport and Eason, um, Yep. And I think that came courtesy of uh, Davenport's Twitter, um, you know, it, just them celebrating on the court and you just know how much that win meant. And that I think was regardless of what happened in the Houston game, that just meant so damn much to these players because it was just finally everything came together and they won a game that they weren't supposed to win and they closed out somehow. Validation that they are closer to being there than, than they are far away from being close. I I truly, truly believe that. Uh, Victor Locken, of course, will be a name to, to monitor. Uh, you kind of touched on him already. It's, uh, you know, you heard Coach Jason G mention it in his uh, radio interview. They they expect big things out of Victor. They are excited for what he can add. And it's kind of a player that is in is in the background. He's, he's, he's kind of just someone that, wow, who is this big man? And <laughs> what is this video that I just watched him splash six straight threes? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he joins the fold. We don't know much about him, but what we do know is a six foot eleven player who can knock down some outside shots. 
we'll take it. We'll see what happens. Milky Mama, on, Milky Mama do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> with, with a great YouTube channel to boot as well. We'll see so, what he's got. Are you feeling okay about the team heading into next year? The, the pulse on the program, and then we'll move on to some football news and then kind of go into the mailbag and, and wrap this up. I got nothing more to say on it. I mean, it was, it was a tough season. There's no other way to put it. Um, I feel like it was uh, almost a, a metaphor for what we've all been going through with COVID and we got to right. see it encapsulated with these kids and it just makes you just rethink the way that you're watching these sports and how much shit these kids are going through just right. to play hoops is bananas. It is. It is. And you know what? There were glimpses. There were small glimmers of hope. And that's really all you got to take away. We'll take and it. You, and, and you got to say, hey, hopefully the ship continues in the right direction. And although it will be rocky on the way, if it gets to the destination, that's all that matters. So, you know, all, all faith now goes to recruiting and hopefully some some home runs can come in. Hopefully some good additions to the team can come in. We did get that breaking news about Gabe Matson. But uh, from here on, it's about who you can add. That that transfer portal is ridiculously crazy. It is something that will be insane to monitor throughout the offseason. So keep keep your eyes peeled and and it seems like he's already gonna, Yeah. I've got a couple names to to keep an eye on in the portal. Ready. I, I know they've met with Audis Tony. Okay. The the transfer from Pitt. Yeah. Uh, they are apparently talking with Cameron Fletcher tomorrow. Okay. That one's that one's going to be crowded. Long line yeah. for that one. Very much so. And then um, they they've got some connections, huh? CJ Gunn. He's in high school. How can he be in the transfer portal? Oh, you're talking transfer portal. I thought you were. Sorry. I was <laughs> looking at I was looking at the, the stopwatch to make sure that I got the timing. Uh, James about 2022, but yeah, is that it, Chad? James, Jameson Battle is an interesting one. Oh, I would love Jameson Battle. Um, he actually visited in KU, uh, an unofficial visit. Uh, they had a really good connection with the kid. The first time around, um, so that is one that they have. That's one of the things you look for when you're trying to sort through all this transfer portal stuff. Right. Is you know the previous connections they they have a longstanding history recruiting Jamison Battle. So that's going to be another one that's a, a pretty long line. I think the other thing with him is you wonder how much is he like Jeremiah Davenport. Like, do you already have Jamison Battle on your roster? Well, and you saw it, but with Jason G, he said they're they're looking to get a long athletic wing as well. Jameson Battle, like you said, six seven, can shoot the three. He was used in numerous different ways. If they truly do morph Jeremiah Davenport into more of a three, a traditional three, I you know, it that's the thing, Chad. You you kind of have three, four, kind of set, you know, with with Tari and yeah, with, well, with Jeremiah. I mean, I don't, I 
I always struggle with this because I always think guys are better down a spot. Um, I I don't know the mismatch with JD at the three. Right. I, I know the mismatch with Jeremiah Davenport at the four at the because yeah. it's really hard to guard somebody like him with, with your four. And Is he good enough off the bounce yet? Like, here's the other thing I would say. Here's the other thing I would say. He has already shown an incredible ability to improve. Right. So I I don't want to rule out that he takes another jump and becomes a better prospect uh, or a player as a wing. But a lot of some of those things are natural. The natural first step, the natural quickness, the natural ability to play off the bounce on the wing and make a play. Right now, he's a as a three, he's a three and D guy. Yeah, agree. Um, his handle is something that that he could personally improve. Right, w- which is why I say if, if you're looking at a guy like Battle, I think they're they're pretty similar in that regard. That that battle is kind of a catch and shoot six, seven wing, not, you know, probably uh, in today's game, especially in college is better as a mismatch four than he is as a true wing. Uh, But then, you know, with Tari, you want to play Tari at the four. If you're playing Tari at the four, you have to play Jeremiah at the three to get them both on the floor at the same time. Um, It's difficult. It's difficult. I think it dwindles. What it dwindles down to, Chad, is when you need to hit a home run in the transfer portal, some of these players might be just looking for big time, you know, PT. And there's only one position next year that you can kind of, if you're a player from the outside looking in, where you can say, okay, I can go here at Cincinnati and and start right away and play a good amount of minutes. I I can't say too much, but there's a name. I have a name. Okay. At the five. Right. I, I can't share it yet. Well, I might be getting close to that point. Okay. I can't share it yet, but it would be an impact. It would be a significant impact if if it comes to fruition. Tune into the BCJ. I was gonna say tune into the BCJ on Thursday. <laughs> I, I don't know if it'll be by Thursday. It's a name that I, I've had in my back pocket for a while. Um I'm not saying if it's a high school kid, if it's a transfer, if it's foreign kid, it could be anything. Right. But I'm getting closer, closer to being able to share the name. Okay. So keep your eyes peeled there. <laughs> I'm getting like, look, it started today, right? Yeah. Today is today is the 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 go point of right. the offseason for yeah. the Bearcats. So there's going to be a lot. A lot. Yes. Happening over the next couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of open spots and you have a lot of uh, transition quickly. I, I think a lot of these names, I, I think things will move quicker than, than you would think with some of these guys. Because you want to be able to get in a situation, especially if you're a transfer, you don't want to sit there too long unless you're waiting for some big fish to call your name. But yeah, buckle I think up. things will move quickly. Yeah, buckle up is, is really all we can say. Um, uh, yeah. asked, uh, did you see my tweet on Gabe Madsen entering the transfer portal? No, we've been recording. 
all my tweets said was, and we're off. <laughs> like, here we go. Well, I mean, you see that other school, you know, over there that wears blue. They, uh, I mean, they're going through, through, through tough things as well. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird time in college basketball. And it's very unlikely that you will go through an off season because now you got to not only recruit players to come to your team, you got to recruit your players on your team to come back and play for your team. So it's a, it's a weird time, but Hey, that's, that's where we are. Free agency, not only in the NFL, but also in college basketball. Oh, when this hits, I mean, and it's, it sounds like it's going to hit when the free transfer hits. Yeah. It's free agency. It is free agency. Hopefully yeah. the Bearcats are better at it than the Bengals. <laughs> just, well, just lost Carl Lawson. You couldn't read my tweet, but you know that they lost Carl Lawson? It popped up at the top of my screen. I don't have your tweets on alert. That's oh. a you problem. I don't have any tweets on alert. It just popped up from ESPN. That's a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been inundated with Doug Smith talk last night. Oh, man. Aaron? Should we hop in the mailbag? Are we are we talking anything football before we do, or is yeah, there anything yeah. To talk football? Well, I think uh, Kobe McAllister. Kobe McAllister is apparently in the transfer portal. Yeah, I just saw that. What that tells me is it's a uh, it's a crowded offensive line room with uh, more talented players coming in, and you're a redshirt freshman. Fight. Agreed. Fight for a job. Win a job. Go into. Here, I don't like this transfer. Why are you transferring before spring ball? You know, it's it's. If you uh, go through spring, because you saw what happened in the weight room already, you know how strong these dudes are, and you're already scared. Go win the go go battle for a spot on the two deep, and then if you're not ready, transfer after that. Look, especially in football, a lot of these kids ain't gonna find a home. Now, some of them will get a benefit from playing at Cincinnati. And, you know, coaches at a lower level, knowing Luke Fickle's ability to evaluate talent. Mm-hmm. But, man, you got to be careful right now because there's like 40% that aren't landing anywhere. It's a dangerous proposition. It, it's risky. You, know, I gotta... you better have a spot. You bet If you right. enter the portal, you better have a spot or two that all, you already know We'll take you. or know where you settle. You know, I uh, right like you better you better be prepared if you go into the portal. Don't just jump in, right? And like like hope there you know hope you're gonna land on a life raft. Well, because that ain't how this thing works. And I think the same could be said for basketball. You know, it's not just football that you're worried about that because you know you talk about a Zach Harvey. I don't know that you're getting any better than Cincinnati, bud. Yeah. We'll but see. As is always the case, best luck to Kobe McAllister. He was actually uh, one of the one of the recruits I talked to a good amount um, throughout his recruitment, uh, commitment, and uh, just kind of throughout that entire class. So best luck to Kobe. Um, versatile player. I thought he would, would actually have a chance with his size and athletic ability playing basketball in high school as well to kind of make some noise here. But um, best luck to him. So. One other also, thing I want to throw out on football uh, that I saw uh, this yeah. week, um, uh, our our boy uh, Josh Wiley, 
is projected to be a first round pick as of right now by some people already. Yep. For next year? Yeah. Not wrong. Why not? Six 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 six. Six six fast hands. Like competitive. What did uh I don't what did like Brady him. say he's up to? Two sixty? Yeah. I, I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. He's got he's got some big bird tendencies, as you like to say. I don't I don't like him, but he's good. Yeah, no, he's, I'm he's, for those that don't know, I love Josh. Josh and I have uh been busting each other's balls since he was in high school. And it is nonstop and it's hilarious. And so uh, if lancer. you ever see me on Twitter, like, yeah, uh, Josh just is, he's mouthy. Yep. So I'm mouthy. So we, we get along well. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, did you like my poll last night? <laughs> Are we really going to go there? <laughs> I put a lot of guys named Greg in a conflict. Like they were at a crossroads. Doug. I, I, I Doug. I mean, I want to say yes. But my name is also Doug, so I, it's tough. <laughs> um, no, Josh is Josh is awesome. But if, if you hear us taking shots back and forth at each other, uh, it is out of love. I meant to tell the people at Mio's when he came in for the pizza party to be like, oh, yeah, Chad said you can't eat. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it would looking, be for great. A, looking for a Josh, a Josh Wiley. Yeah, can, can anybody point Wyle. me in the direction of Josh Wiley? You out. <laughs> so, so it's your Wile. Your name's Wiley. I, I thought it was Wile. <laughs> Sir, you have been cut off. No more pizza for you. I haven't even had any. But uh, I could see. Uh, look, Josh is a, a, a first or second day talent. I don't. I don't have any yeah. doubt about that. No. And I like hearing. Do you just that. have a tub of beverages behind you? Yeah, no, I, I just I'm prepared. <laughs> it's those are the natural keeps too. You're just he just keeps in. reaching behind him and grabbing beverages out of like a laundry basket. Yes. No, there's nothing there. See, you're in your laundry room. Okay. You're locked in. I'm moving. I, I'm moving downtown. I'll be I'll be down there in two weeks. Oh, congratulations! Do they, do, do they have good internet? My internet's been awful today, by the way. We'll, we'll find out. Um, do they have good internet downtown? I don't know. <laughs> it might be better than Kings Island. We'll see. There you go. But uh, another thing to touch on is Chad's interview with with Coach Fickle. Um, I think kind of the main thing to take away from that would be uh, Dylan O'Quinn getting looks on at tackle, and then. A six foot nine, 330-pound guard. The Bengals could use him. Warren's Mets getting looked at guard as well. I think this is kind of just an early offseason trying to you know plug and play, see if something actually sticks and hits. I mean, you've got to figure that you're probably not going to hit as many false starts running from <laughs> guard as you would from tackle. Trying to get that well, foot out. All they have to do is say his name. Hey, Matt. Can can Des throw over a, a standing straight up Lawrence Matt? Des is like 6'6", six, 6'4", six. Six, 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 somewhere in there. I mean, right. he's, he'll be fine. That's a 6'9". Doug Flutie did it, and he was like 5'8". 
I agree. I agree. I just think it's funny to think of, of Lawrence Metzen at guard. But, hey, if, if, if you're trying to run up the middle, I, I, I can't think of anyone better to go behind than Lawrence Metz clearing that away for you. But, He's a man mountain. Yes. But, uh, yeah, and then and a couple other things. Obviously, uh, Luke Fickle's just a phenomenal interview. He uh, gave some really good tidbits to it was a great the, listen. Yeah, to the players that, that they have coming back. Obviously, a lot of promise. I was interested to hear that. You know, the in the running back room, the the versatility of you know Ryan Montgomery and and uh, of course Ethan Wright, just two players that are are really going to be a high impact in that running back room as well. So I I'm excited to see just the, the athleticism that they bring next year. Aside from that, I, this is just a very good team. Very good. Of course, some of it is coach speak. You know what I mean? Like right. he's not right. he's not going to address any glaring needs or anything at this point. Yeah. You know, yes. we, we already know that he's he's well, way more polished than that. Um, but, you know, he definitely knew going into that interview where the question marks were, how to address them. Mm-hmm. And if you were listening, he set you at ease a little bit talking about and almost like like, you know, just gushing over how good he feels about those question mark areas that, yep. you know, some of the fans had questions about. So it's good. I, and, and you know what, the fact that we also talked to Brady and we get, we get an understanding of just how hardworking these players are on top of that is just further validation. And I, the fact that Luke brought up Kobe Bryant yet again, I think Kobe Mamba Island Bryant is set up for a unreal season. And I'm so excited to see what those corners do. Blue Smith is my Jeremiah Davenport for next year. Ooh. Oh, I heard it here first. I was excited Perry to hear Eliana. Perry Eliana. We need to talk more about how good he has been as an addition to this coaching staff. Yes. We, we talked a lot about Scruggs. We've hit some on Hitchler. I think Mike Brown deserves a ton of credit Yes, for flipping that wide receiver room. Right. Perry Aliano came in and did not miss a beat at cornerback no. for a guy that was regarded as a great fit on this staff. And now Eliano finds himself in the top six for a high three-star 88 grade recruit in the composite out of Alabama. Yep. And well, that the top, top six, six is no joke. It's, it's it, the top six was Cincinnati, and it is one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> like more recently, though. But look, man, look, I know everybody gets in their feelings when somebody says something like that. Right. No, I agree. Cincinnati is new to that party. Yeah, that Maryland, Oregon, six, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Cincinnati. We're like the new hot girl that nobody knows her name. No, you're well, you're the new hot girl. Like she transferred, right? That's what I'm and, saying. And, and everybody, you know, everybody wants yeah. to get to know her, but they don't know her name yet. <laughs> right. We're gonna make sure they know her name. Right. You will know my name. Perry Eliano made Kobe Bryant was better under Perry Eliano than he was under Mike Nichols. True or false? <laughs> yeah. True or he, false? Uh, he reestablished Mamba Island, no doubt true thank you aaron the ability to answer the question you you wanted jesus brent (laughs) (laughs) well and a lot of it's personal too like like you know arquan bush is pushing himself 
Uh, Ahmad Sas Gardner, obviously pushing himself harder than he ever has in the weight room as well. So, so you're taking away from Perry Elliott because you no, didn't want to answer. I, no, my I'm saying balls. that I'm saying that you could come in and just coast, but we're seeing Perry Eliano is is pushing these players to be the best they can be on top of them pushing themselves now. You know, if you have the season that you do when you're Sauce Gardner, you could take a back seat, but I'm sure Perry is there every day pushing right. him my, as well. My as point, is. my point being, you like. In coaching, it's such a delicate balance, right? Like, yeah. you have great coaches, you have great recruiters. Right. Finding a guy that that is that is that high quality balance of both is very difficult. Yeah. Eliana's done it. Scruggs has done it. Brown has done it. Yeah. We've heard about Hitchler when the kids that are being recruited, Pennsylvania. Yep. He's had some success in Pennsylvania, Jersey, like that kind of corridor that's his. I think Does Luke Fickle to, miss? I think you're already starting to see no. some of that with Trestle too. Does Luke Fickle miss? No, no. And 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 even Pat Lambert, you know, the most recent recruit, Tyler Gillison. He he mentioned how you know he was being heavily recruited by uh, Bowden, and then the second that oh. Bowden left, Bowden. Oh. So, the second that Bowden left, he immediately was hounded by Pat Lambert. And Pat Lambert's going to be really good in that job, and and that's a guy that loves Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, and when you just show that love immediately through through a change, I mean that 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 goes a long way with these you know high school high school recruits. It, they they see well, hey. uh, yeah. again on the Luke Fickle doesn't miss front. The Pat Lambert hire was almost instant yeah. when Chad Bowden left for for left for Notre Dame. There, there was no there was no like wide wide net. There was no yeah. We're going to look at a bunch of different other options. It was, all right, Pat's the guy. You're up next, Pat. And he's been doing a great job. Unless when he's running late for a meeting. (laughs) Do you want me to address Gavin? Sure. Take it away. Okay. Gavin Wimsett. Well, can we wait until we get to the question in the mailbag? No, no. There's a mailbag question that can almost... Okay, ask it then. Ask it. Then ask it. All right, so we're starting the mailbag so I can hit the stupid timer on it. (laughs) Wasn't really that difficult. Come on. Kana 2, secrets. I want all the secrets you couldn't share until now. You had the floor, Chad. That's never going to (laughs) happen. Except about Gavin. Well, I, I just here's what I'll say. I'm so confused. It does not make any sense. And it like it's concerning in this business when things don't make any sense because I have a massive amount of respect for Steve Wilfong. He has put in a crystal ball pick. He has upped his confidence level to seven for Gavin Wimsat and Rutgers. My information conflicts that directly. And that's, that that's when you feel like, Am I, am I getting the wrong information? Right, like is, is something off, and I'm a bit concerned about that. I, they had a, an academic meeting today with his mom and Gavin. Sounds like it went really well. She had a ton of questions for UC's academic staff. Everything I've heard is those questions were answered in a in a very positive fashion. Uh, I have word that he is meeting tomorrow on Zoom with Gino. And and you see step again. Um, but there's this Rutgers thing that 
my info says is not a threat. And so, Wolfong's info says is the leader. And that worries the shit out of me from doing this job for 15 years. As confident as I am in my sources, and I am always confident in my sources, which is why I very rarely get anything on, on this plane wrong. But I'm worried because it feels like there's something I'm missing. So can I pull back the curtain a little bit and ask you, this sounds like a conversation we had off air, very similar to what happened with Freeman. Uh, a little bit. I mean, it, it's that's one of those things that when you do this long enough, you know when things don't like. Do you know what I mean, though? Where it, yeah, it yeah, sounds... yeah. No, that's that's what I'm trying to explain is, you know, when the info seems off. Right. Like you're confident with the info you're getting. The funny thing is, is there was Notre Dame people that didn't have the Freeman info, right? Because they thought they were out. So Marcus did a great job uh, bamboozling everyone on that one behind the scenes. Um, this one, I don't know if, if someone in, along the way is lying. I don't know if the decision maker is not who people think it is. I'm trying really hard to get, I spent more time on that than I did the basketball stuff today. Um, I'm trying really hard to get my finger on where this one sits. Um, I don't, I, I can't, I, I'm try, like, I'm trying to, to navigate this one because it, when you're told one thing and you believe because the people that you're being, that you're talking to have always been on point and somebody else that you know and respect and think does a really good job is told the exact opposite of what you're hearing. Oh boy. Like, uh, right. <laughs> and that's, that's why all of this reminds me again of the off air conversations we had about Freeman. Like, I, I'm well, sorry. The, if I'm, the LSU I'm sorry. people were wrong. I'm the sorry LSU if I'm revealing too much. I have no idea what no, you're comfortable I mean, sharing, but the LSU people were wrong. And, and I had a sense that they were wrong, but I couldn't get anybody on the Notre Dame side until the very end that thought that, that it was Notre Dame. So then you're wondering, like, that's what I talked about was difficult with Freeman. And it's kind of difficult with Gavin too, because you're dealing with Rutgers, Cincinnati, Kentucky. So when you're dealing with two, it's pretty easy to suss out two, right? When you're dealing with three, now you have three different sets of people all hearing three different things. Everybody like playing Kentucky, everybody against the other, yeah. Yeah, like Kentucky believes that they're in the driver's seat. Um, apparently Rutgers believes they're in the driver's seat. I don't know that Cincinnati thinks they're in the driver's seat. Um, but I think they, they feel like they are certainly like very much a factor, very much a player uh, in this recruitment. So it's, it's interesting because I, I just – I hate when – <laughs> you're you're battling that you're being told this somebody else is being told the exact opposite and now you've got to figure out who's not right yeah i've been i've been right a lot in these situations it's generally not with the national director of scouting who has you know a, a very large national network of contacts that hears things so i i i trust 
my network of sources that are telling me what they're telling me on Wimsat that I think it's going to be a Kentucky UC battle. Um, but I'm no longer confident because I don't, I can't get my brain around. Rutgers is a like, wild card. They are. And he's like emoji eyes tweeting a running back that's going to commit to Rutgers and Sam Brown. I, <laughs> my confidence is, has taken a hit over the past like 36 hours on Gavin Wimsett. Yeah. We'll see. It's, it's weird because usually with recruits, you can read the tea leaves as well. And that's via Twitter, via social media. And recently, you'll see Gavin sends the, the, the eyeball emojis for a potential Rutgers recruit, but he's also liking and retweeting uh, some recent Cincinnati news. Uh, it is just one of those, like you mentioned, Chad, it, a lot of different scenarios. And it's just, it's very strange. Um, hope is Cincinnati's still heavily in the running, but like you said, Chad, who knows with, with Will Fong and, and all of the sides coming together. So, I don't know. Can't really read the tea leaves on this one. Mailbag. Let's move it on. There you go. UC Doc says, uh, or he asks, without naming names, if you could sign three ideal players for next year, what would they look like? Size, skills, position, etc. And what would be the ideal makeup to balance the classes? I'm assuming he's talking about football. No, basketball. No, basketball. Is he talking about basketball? Yeah, I for couldn't sure. remember. I couldn't remember where he was. I was gonna say football. That there's lots of different ways you could go. Uh, basketball for sure okay you want me to go first give me sure rim running rim protecting big number one that that can be a multi-year transfer give me a grad transfer shooter lights out shooter and then a younger multi-year big long wing that's my my three bag wish list Dad? Uh, a, a rim protector five, for sure. A yep. physical, like, uh, Steve Toyloid, Titus Rubles, I'll eat your heart out, type four. Okay. Ooh, Titus Rubles, I love that reference. To go in and, look, this is a physical league. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that's why there's been some, like, hesitation on Bryson Spell, for example. Yeah. I like a lot of the tools that Bryson Spell has. Right. But does he get eaten alive physically in this league? Like, that's a question you have to ask. And that is a question John Brandon now has two years of experience in this league. Like, I think, you know, when John Brandon got the job, Bryson Spell probably would have been an instant, like, absolutely. 6'9", can shoot, um, decent athleticism, but can he physically handle his own right give me like a dude yeah i agree and then a wing a, a scoring so, wing i you want you want a name sir is there an easter egg here maybe maybe how about a guy that started his career at at, at georgetown and is now in junior college Hmm. Hmm. All right. Any ideas? Any ideas? Um, the people will. The people will guess this one very fast. 
I think I do know who it is. You think? Uh, I'd be the person at Jeopardy wondering why he has no money. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, for Blake's sake. Myron Gardner. Myron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Myron Gardner. See, um, I saw his name pop up. Uh, someone tweeted about him looking to get back into D1. And, I mean, you remember him from Michigan, obviously, the the guy that kind of just I, – I was, I was okay with bringing him in. He was just a bruising wing. When did he play for Georgetown? That, that the beginning of his freshman year, and he left, like, pretty much right away. Right, yeah, because I'm – I'm trying to look at on Ken Palm had to be, was that 2018? I believe so. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I was, I was good with Gardner. There you go. I mean, it's funny how those things come full circle, aren't they? Yeah. It's another, you know, connections to Michigan, uh, Dwyer involved in the high school portion of his recruitment. So that would be a, a wing name I think would be interesting because he's a little different than, than like a Davenport where he's, you know, kind of that bully six, 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 seven, you know, get to the rim, uh, rebound, be a little bit more physical type guy. More, um, true, th- more true three than a true, than, than a four playing as a three or, right. or, or so, vice versa. So I think for right, at least as things stand, minus, even minus Gabe Madsen, I think they're pretty good at the one and two. Now, if you yeah. could find a, like a six-five two guard to kind of put in that mix, I wouldn't be against it. But right. I think they're okay at the two. The three, I think you need help with the three. I think you need a different type of four, and you need that that rim running athletic I mean, five because I, I think that would be if if Victor is what we've heard for good athleticism, more of a shooter not really a rim protector, but long. Yeah. I mean, if you look at him in, in huddles, he's not that much smaller than both. And is, both listed at seven one. Yeah. Is Fabian White Fabian White's considered a five, yeah? No. For what is, they do, he kind plays of kind a of that lot four of five. Or five. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's so, like a hybrid. So I'd be I mean if Tari's running out as our four next year and we got somebody coming in as a five, like I'd love to have a four like a Fabian White coming off the bench. Yeah. I, I think you need a physical body at the four to bring in when you need to like when you need to 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 a goon. fight. You yeah, need a goon. Need to fight. Essentially, yeah. you know, like I, I mean, yeah. if we're talking hockey terms, like you need a goon. Tari right. like a Justin Gorham, and then right. off the bench. Yeah. Don't so, talk about um, don't talk about Justin Gorham on uh, on Twitter. By the way, he'll. <laughs> He searches himself much like Don Dockage. Yeah, he's a name. Yeah, Dan exactly. and Did like, he respond to you yesterday? No, no he, he at 6.15 this morning, though, he he did like my tweet, which was funny because I said uh, his, hairline was, his hairline was running for 40. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, today. Wow. Uh, Iowa State fired Steve Prom. Wow. What? Iowa State fired Steve Prom after basically one bad year. Did they really? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, Richard Patino out, Prom out. I, you're seeing some some moves left and right. It's Your it, boy Archie out. Archie gone. I, 
I mean, and, and we, we could all agree that Mark Cuban paid that $10 million buyout, right? The ghost of Bobby Knight paid that $10 Somebody, million buyout. I mean, well, what's that, what's that name that I can't pronounce that, that refurbished IU Arena? Simon Scott. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. syllable. I went to uh, I went to school with uh, with their daughter, mm-hmm. Samantha Scott. Shout out, Sam. How you doing? But uh, yeah. why, why, Brent? That's a lot of money. Why didn't you like marry into that? That's that's an off the off the record conversation. But <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, no, I, yeah, I mean, it's this is just a time. I've never really seen college basketball ever like this, and with boosters having such an influence, the uh, name image and likeness right on the, on the edge coming very soon. I just, all of this put together is just truly starting to morph college basketball into a crazy scenario. Um, And I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of things are going to move quickly. And one thing is John Brandon likes Victor Lockins says he'll be back in practice the next couple of weeks. And so uh, we'll go from there. I like what I've, I mean, I haven't seen practice, but I like like pre, like before games, what I, he looks like a fluid athlete, Vic. Yeah. He shoots it well. Um, he looks like he's, he looks like he's having a great time at Cincinnati. Yeah. He's a big um, dude. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, I would guess that, I mean, I think they're, they list 6'10, so he's probably 6'10, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing 6'11. Yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a tall, long dude. For sure. So Here next. LXA Bearcat 2011 asks uh, over under one and a half years to return to the dance. I would go to, I'd go to as well. You know, if, if the roster stays together and you hit one home run, I think they could scratch and, and claw their way to a tournament next year. If, also, if, that's a lot of ifs. Best, best case scenario. Yes. It's also going to depend on who graduates from what schools and and who transfers from what schools. I mean, Houston, if they lose Jarreau because he's a redshirt senior, I believe, if if Grimes goes, if maybe Sasser goes, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys Houston's losing. I don't know if they're going to be able to refill all those spots, but yeah, Warren's gone. Yeah, more just more just for the Cincinnati side of things. Look at the core. Look at the core and what they were able to do. If you add that, just just give me a, a triple. Give me a double, triple, or a home run at the five. Everyone improve a little bit. You've got a good core right there. Um, Gorm should have been gone eight years ago. But um, <laughs> D Monk asks, Chad, describe John's scheduling philosophy. So far in his first two years, we have the strongest strength schedule average in the American and for UC since 2010 when we were in the Big East. Do you see that remaining the same? Will be less next year? Any surprises or hints or clues for next year's schedule? Uh, you just described a scheduling philosophy. We have the strongest strength out of conference strength of schedule in 10 years. Like that, he, he believes that he, he has a company an analytics company that, that they pay for to dictate like how the games should be scheduled. Now, um, same company Alabama it, uses, right? I, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm not familiar I'd, with Alabama's I'd heard, schedule. I'd, I'd heard that. I don't know. It, it, there's a, if he picked it up at Alabama, that wouldn't be a surprise because he was at Alabama. Right. Um, right. That's the philosophy. Don't play those. 320 
uh, ranked teams in the net. Challenge yourself, play pretty much your entire or most of your out-of-conference schedule inside the 150, and, you know, go from there. Now, it'll be interesting, you know, did he learn a little – or does he – did he – not say – I want to say learn, but did, did he take away from this year – that it might be wise to kind of roll with a little bit easier slate to start the season. Or do you look at it and say in a normal season, we would have had that. And, you know, just having to condense everything uh, made things a little bit more difficult to navigate. So overall, I don't think it's going to change much because I think, you know, if you look back to 2020, the reason that they were in the mix was because of the scheduling. Yeah. Right. They had what four Q3 losses. Yeah. And normally that's like the end, <laughs> like that's a, a, a nail in the coffin, but they scheduled so well that the scheduling was able to kind of mask what had happened in those, those quad three games. So I don't anticipate it changing drastically. Maybe you'll see a little bit of uh, adjustment, but um, I don't see it changing drastically. Now uh, they're in a tournament uh, in Kansas city, the, the hall of fame, or I don't know what, whatever uh, the Naismith or whatever it is out there. Right. Uh, what Arkansas. Was it Kansas, Illinois? Arkansas, Kansas state, and maybe Illinois. Yeah. Illinois without IO and Kofi. I mean, that, you know, you got to feel a little, a little good about that. Um, Kansas state's in the, in the wilderness right now. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas. Will the must bus be there? Like that, that'll be interesting. His name has popped up in a lot of uh, conversations about these jobs opening, but that's a good event. Um, Louisville should be on there. Georgia should be on there. I I think the the Richmond series kind of got whacked. Louisville. I said Louisville. He said I said no, Louisville will be in there. George, George will be in there. Uh, Xavier, obviously. Um, most of this stuff doesn't get done until summer. Yeah. Well, and like, that brings up the follow-up question. Is there any possibility of staff additions or changes over the summer? I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't anticipate any. With um, the- on the scheduling front, though, I mean, just look at what Loyola Chicago did, and John was pushing super hard to play Loyola this year. Yeah, aggressively. He was he was also pushing aggressively to play Utah State. Yeah, and, and look at Drake as well last year, how good Drake has been this year. You look at Colgate last yeah. year, how good Colgate has been this year. Number eight in the net is what Colgate is, which is insane. But, you know, it's uh, – he has this this system that you mentioned, Chad, and, and these teams, Vermont last year, these teams are good. They're good yeah. teams. So it's a uh, problem is you're in danger of losing those right. games if you don't exactly. if you don't bring it that night. I think you have to so. mix in some some sweet cupcakes to get to get the legs underneath. And they did, they couldn't do that this year due to the obvious scenario. But so speaking of that. baked goods, Bearcat Jerry asks. What did Coach G mean when he said we have one in the oven? And Bearcat Jerry also went on to ask, uh, would love to hear how many scholarships we have and how many more could open. I did not listen. I was obviously uh, doing the post-game Zoom with John Brandon. So I don't get to listen to 
the radio uh, post-game interview. Um, my understanding is he was talking about Victor Locken. So, okay. yeah. He's here. He's heating up. Cooking. Yeah. Couple that, weeks that, was my, that was my understanding is that, that he was talking about Vic. But I don't know that for certain because I didn't hear it live because I was I was working. And as for uh, how many, as, as for the scholarships, how many more could open? <laughs> Any anyone's guess is as good as yours. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Uh, it's uh, kids now, man. I don't know. Like this, this, this transfer portal thing. It, it, is it's this going to go street. away? Is it going to go away next year? Like, are we going to no. be done? No, no. Just going to continue to leave? If only, thing, if only it'll get bigger. I think. Yeah. In my personal opinion, it should be like you get one and that's it. And then you can't. Well, yeah, you go. That's going to be the thing. You get one free transfer. And I mean, I'm good with one, but to just be free to transfer at any point in time, like, how do you build stability? How do you build a program with that kind of freedom? I was talking to somebody about this earlier. Does, Does Trey Scott become Trey Scott if he leaves after one year? I don't think he does, truthfully. Or. Or Did Gary Trey Clark Scott, even. Does Trey Scott become Trey? Well, Trey, Gary was never going to leave. Gary was a, a stud his first year. My point is that he could have left to go to a but, big, bigger, better program. My point on the guys like Trey, got, nobody wants to develop. Nobody wants to fight it out. Right. Nobody, nobody wants to like anymore. Nobody wants to, to, to buckle down and say, I'm going to make it. How much better did Trey get? spending three years behind Gary Clark. Right? Like, that makes you better. Yeah, That makes you better. And Trey took advantage of that and used it every day. The, 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 Trey Scott, and I love Trey, and I, I, I'm guessing Trey would tell you this. Trey Scott was not ready to be a high major basketball player when he arrived to Cincinnati. So, I'll challenge you with your Trey Scott – and I'll raise you a Justin Jennifer because I don't think he becomes who he is if he doesn't stick it out. I think even that's more, fair. Even, even more so. Like Trey, Trey, yeah, but I mean, some of the pieces Trey's were on in the place. verge of the Trey's on the verge of the NBA. Trey was so far from the verge of the NBA. I understand, totally understand where you're going with that. My point is Justin Jennifer was borderline and a conference player with his lack of turnovers and all of that. Like his yeah, assist, I mean, well, the, the turnover with, to assist ratio was insane. The thing with Justin is he learned what a good pass was in college because when he got here, he was he was. I, I know a lot of people don't remember this. Justin Jennifer, at one point in time, as an eighth grader, was the number one one ranked player in the country. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And he was he was one of those flashy like mixtape slick dribbling could pat like make all these crazy passes. But then when you get to college. As, as we've seen with the baby Bearcats this year, the Bear Kids, however you want to justify it, um, you see things that you think are there. And it just so happens in college, there's a guy standing there waiting for your <laughs> pass. And Justin learned what was a good pass, what wasn't. And he learned how to, how to, how to stop flicking the ball with his offhand with his thumb. My only point is I feel like he developed as well. He did. He didn't develop as much as Trey because Trey's on the verge of the NBA. Right. I'm just saying from what we saw two years prior, 
to where he no, ended I'm not, up I'm not arguing. I'm just yeah. pointing out why I used Trey was behind. Trey knew this is where my, my point is, Aaron. Okay. Trey knew no matter how good he was, he was behind Gary Clark for three years. Yeah. I get you. Everybody now in that situation bails. They don't they don't stick it out. They they, you know, if there's any adversity, if there's any bumps in the road, if there's anything they don't like, they're 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 now going to be in the portal. That makes it really hard to like to do the one thing at Cincinnati's level that is required. Get old, stay old. What Houston's got three dudes that are 23 years old. One dude is 35. Mm-hmm. His birth certificate says 23. So, <laughs> <laughs> But they got three dudes in their major rotation that are 23 years old. Are you taking a, a guy that's 23 that's been five years in college basketball? Are you taking a kid that's 18 or 19 like Tari that might be more talented than any of those guys at Houston? But he ain't he ain't a, a a warrior yet, right? Like he he's not there yet. Well, That's think, not to say he won't be there because think, if he keeps working, he will. I think some of that goes back to the argument that you had last night, where you know, do you go for the winning season or do you go for developing a rebuilding program? But John didn't. I guess Doug was that his name. I guess Doug was like the point he was trying to make was that's not a hard decision. I agree. My point was it's still a decision that had to be made, right? Do you look at this roster and say, when John got the job, we're going to bring in heavy freshmen that first year with Trey and Jaron. No, you don't say that. You say, you know what? We need to find some grad transfers. We got to find a point guard. We got to, we got to build around these two pieces for the immediate future and we'll deal with the long-term future next year. That was the decision he made, which sets back because how many, if there were two more freshmen in that class, let's say they hit on one more of them. That was as good as Jeremiah and Micah. Well, now you got three freshmen and three sophomores going into next year. Like those are the type of decisions that have to be made when you're running the program. That's the point I was trying to make. I don't know how it was missed. Like, no, that wasn't a hard decision. But guess what? When you're the boss, you got to make decisions. Yeah, right. That's what the boss does, especially the guy that's taking over a new job. Where you Mm -hmm. have to evaluate everything without much knowledge on the situation. I did that in two, like, even even as, like, I was the assistant coach with Tim. (laughs) If, you know, Tim, Tim had built a lot of stuff. He had handled a lot of the, the, the other parts of the business that I didn't have to worry about. So when Tim left in 2016, I had to sit down and figure it out. Had a lunch with Berg and, and Dave. And we talked about a bunch of shit about how we're going to do this, about what our plan was, how we're going to grow this thing. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We've grown like 130% since then. But it wasn't easy at first because for the first two months, there was barely any content because we were scrambling to reorganize and restructure everything. Who was going to handle recruiting? Who was going to handle this? Who was going to handle that? What was the, the, the connection 
to this? What was going on here? You got a lot of a lot of balls in the air, a lot of irons in the fire. Name another cliche. I'll I'll throw it out there. So much cur- had- curtain peeking this episode. Well, I mean, but but that's not hard. Like that that's that's not even really a curtain peek. That's just business. You know, a new guy comes in and takes over. Even if he had been in the company, it's different sitting in the number one chair. When you come in from the outside, you have to sit down, figure stuff out. John had to sit down and figure stuff out. That's real talk, as the kids say. <laughs> you know, it's easy to look at it and say, well, all this stuff should be like exactly how I expect it right away. Well, yeah, that's great, but you're not the one that's like being forced to make those calls. Right. <laughs> like it's it's not in your hands. All right. So we got three more questions to work through here. We're gonna we're going it. long as chits it tonight people are going to be big mad thank you to aaron for time stamping everything that's fine so Let's, here we are uh yeah, speed through these speed br through br cat brian i'm not sure how else to pronounce that um how would you grade the overall brand that is uc athletics currently and what do you feel are the top areas that admin should focus focus on academics financials success of the sport including olympic culture etc uh get to a power five conference the end I think do what you can win a lot in football. They have positioned, they have positioned themselves as one of the top candidates. If there is expansion five, right? Yeah. Well, I go where the money is. So yes, no, Aaron, we're looking to get into conference USA. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I was agreeing with you. In a P five. Yes. In a P five. Yes. Like go where the money is, find the money because if not, subsidizing everything has a short shelf life right right like you want to talk about olympic sports you better hope you get in the power five and you get one of those checks because subsidizing uh football and basketball is is always going to be at the top of the list Mm -hmm. and those things pay for the other things but when if we're looking at football when 45 percent of the sport are getting checks from 25 to 50 million and you're getting checks for seven you're going to fall behind you're going to like it's inevitable you can you can do more with less for a period of time Mm -hmm. or if you have a generational uh leader like luke fickle you can probably prolong that and he has broken down a lot of doors. And we are like Dave and I a lot of times just laugh now at like lists that come out. Like the, you know, my list is Oregon, Georgia, Florida, whoever else in Cincinnati. <laughs> or my list, like I we there was a list that was like USC and uh Florida State Bama. and the Bama and Cincinnati. And it's like this is so far from the reality that we lived four years ago, five years ago, that it's hard to even imagine, like you won the lottery and you bought like a $4 million house. And, you know, 1.3 years later, like down the road, you're sitting in the living room of your $4 million house. You look around and you go, this is nuts. Like (laughs) how did, how did we end up here? And Dave and I have literally like, Dave generally calls me every day on the way home, uh, his drive home from work. 
and we just catch up on where everything's at and what went on on Twitter that day. And, you know, it's like uh, our daily conference call for the business. And there have been multiple days, multiple, multiple, multiple days over the past month. Kayshawn sat or Kayshawn or how, I don't know how he pronounces it, but that one, like that one, we just laughed for like 10 minutes. Like what, where are we? What is this? Well, they have, they have found a way to, to like hang in at that level, but it's not forever. You have to take the jump and find a way to get into the power five, because if you don't, man, it's, I don't know how long you can continue to like continue to play at that level without having the type of support that they all have, because that money, I guess here's the thing that people don't like really, really think, right? Like, they look at 50 to seven and they think of it as like a one year thing, but it's not a one year thing. It's an every year thing. And guess what? 50 to seven looks like there are even let's, you know, drop down to 30, 30 to seven is a pretty sizable difference, right? Right. Yes. 90, 90 to 21 is a much like you can come back from 30 to seven. You ain't coming back from 90 to 21 and that's three years. That's not even a full cycle for a recruit. Like mm-hmm. you, you get into the power five or boy, there's, there's tough questions ahead. If you can't. Well, and you bring up sap. So Arizona Bearcat asks with Collinsworth, Williams, green, and whoever else we have at offensive tackle, can we still sign sap and bear from their end and ours? Yes. Next question. All right. You see, Mark asks uh, on the current. <laughs> Another roster. one just opened up with Kobe McAllister transferring. So, <laughs> all give me all of the offensive lines. Silver linings. Uh, you see, Mark seventeen asks on the current roster, who do you think ends up with the most career points at UC? I know he dropped this on the football board. I'm not sure if he meant it as a football. That's bad. That's a basketball. I, I mean, that's I a basketball so question. Yeah. Uh, it be the rake. I go Davenport or kicker. No, the rake's a punter. I know. That's why, to, that's why I switched. That's why I switched to kicker. I go Davenport. Like he's he had a, a strong sophomore season. Generally, the guys that end up um, in those like in that top forty list, whatever, are the guys that broke out as sophomores and averaged double figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith was at I think nine point nine as a sophomore. Yeah, and he's in the top forty. Uh, so that that if Davenport continues to develop. What did he finish this year, Brett? 250. Uh, 11 points. 11, yeah. So if he jumps up to like. 250 something. Well, just an average. This year, I guess that does matter because there weren't enough games. Right. Yeah. So he total was uh, 270. Okay. Um, I would think Davenport because if he jumps up to like 15, 16 a game next year, which I think. Without Keith, he's going to be even more of like a focus of of, of the offense on the wing. Um, I would say he would be the guy that that right now. And I I don't like not to take away from what DeJulius did at Michigan, but if we're talking points, I'm talking what they scored at UC. I, I would say it would be Jeremiah pretty comfortably, at least like as things stand, because I think he's going to be that guy as a junior that's up in that 15, 16 point range. And then going into your senior year, then, you know, you're expected to really pop 
Uh, so pretty easily, I would say that answer is Jeremiah Davenport. And that's not knowing what kind of development we see out of, you know, Saunders, Eason, Madsen, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, if, it, you know, if they're, if, if they're in the range of 10, 11, 12 points a game next year, then, then right. they enter the conversation. Right. Um, but we need to see that, that sophomore jump is where guys really we need put to see themselves a Davenport type jump. Essentially right. that that's yeah. where guys put themselves into climbing up like career points lists. Yep. Uh, because then you go into your veteran upperclassman years as a guy that's at three, 400 points already, you know, and, and you're ready to, to make that big jump. Cool. That's uh, okay. that's the mail. Mason, Mason averaged 6.5 in 15 games. Great so. start for a freshman, but only 15 games. Right. Um, so the, he didn't get the, and, and honestly, it helps him because he would have missed all of November and most of December with the injury. He missed the first eight games. Um, so he could be a guy if he's in that, that 12, 10, 11, 12 point range next year. Uh, so could, as well, could make another 168 jump. Yeah. points. Yeah. In, in first, I mean, year. all three. Yeah. All three guys in that freshman class could potentially turn it on next year and, and make that jump. Right now, but, the clear answer is Jeremiah Davenport. But you know who's number one in returning points as a Bearcat next year? Chris Vogt. Returning Bearcats. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, Micah no, Adams. Micah, yes. That so, was that one's not going to be received well, and it was a joke. Relax, everybody. Relax. I mean, I, who knows? I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know. Like, 20, honestly, the option is there. 2021 COVID. The is there. Everything's real weird. Yeah. The option is there. We'll see. Until we get decisions, you don't – I thought Kobe Bryant was for sure gone. Right. I thought Curtis Brown and uh, – Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown were for sure gone. Mm-hmm. And those three guys surprised me. So, you never know. That That's all we got there, Brent. Oh. Well, if, right, if we're they lasted this long, so is, is there a bomb that we can drop at the very end here? Or? No, I, I've dropped as much <laughs> as I can possibly drop. For a minute good, 50 or an hour 50, like, let's shut up and go home. I think it's a good time to close it down. So, uh, yet again, another fantastic BBP here. Aaron will have the timestamps for you. So enjoy those. Thank you, Aaron, for that. But for my... Good friend, Aaron Smith, for Mr. Chad Brendel. I am Brent Young. Yet again, this is the BBP on BearcatJournal.com. See ya.